Tonight's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sean. Good evening, everybody. As uh, Katie said, my name's Adam. I'm the curate here. It's lovely to be speaking to you again. I have an apology to start with. Um, you may be surprised to hear that clergy do work more than one day a week. Um, and this week has been one of those weeks where I blocked out four spaces to write this talk. And all four of them got filled with other things. Um, and so I came to write the talk this afternoon. And at quarter past three, I, was, I made a PowerPoint, which we'll say, show you a little bit later. And I went to close the PowerPoint. And it came up with a little box and said, are you sure you wish to close this? You haven't saved it. And I thought, oh, no, that's fine. Uh, no, it's something else. It's fine. And then I clicked, um, yes, it's fine. And then realized that I just closed my talk without saving it. Um, so after about five minutes of praising the Lord and, uh, and <laughs> fasting and coming before him, I, I then had to rewrite uh, what it is I want to say to you this evening. I say that because there may be occasions where I suddenly don't look like I know where I'm going next. I promise you I do. Um, it's just the Lord might need to help me in places. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this passage. We thank you that you call us to be your ambassadors in the world. Lord, I pray now that you would speak to each of us. I pray you would speak to me, but I pray you'd speak to each of us about what it is you want us to think about from this passage this evening particularly. Lord, would what I say be always faithful to this, your written word, and lead us to your living word, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Well, yes, as uh, we've just heard that reading from uh, Corinthians, uh, you might wonder where we are in the middle of series and things. We've just come to the end of quite a long series on Ephesians, and we're looking ahead. Next week, we've got Commitment Sunday, and then after that, we're looking ahead uh, to Christmas. It's really not that uh, far away. This passage we've chosen particularly um, in light of the events of 78 years ago uh, in Coventry this week on the, um, I think, Wednesday it was of this week, uh, 78 years ago during the First World War when the bombs came to Coventry um, in 1940. Now, I feel a little bit of a fraud trying to tell you this story uh, because I've only lived in Coventry for a year and a half or this area for a year and a half. I didn't know really much about it until I moved to the area. Very fortunately, the Diocese of Coventry uh, have produced a video the video is six minutes long, uh, but it's excellent. And I'm going to use this as part of my talk this evening. Note I say as part of my talk. Don't worry, I don't plan to speak for another 40 minutes afterwards. Uh, only another 35. That's no, fine. Um, uh, so well, let's uh, watch this video together. The night was ice clear and there was a full moon you could hear the growl of the bombers coming over southern England, heading towards Coventry. Ten past seven, there was an alarm sounded, but before it had even finished sounding, the first bombs started falling. The screams of falling bombs, the sound of rafters falling, the sound of whole buildings collapsing was happening all around the city. It was complete chaos, and in the middle of it, this cathedral, Coventry Cathedral, was suffering as well. Hit by fire bombs very quickly, the roof caught fire. The roof was held together by steel ties and as the whole building began to overheat, so those ties began to twist and turn and made terrible screaming noises themselves. People nearby said it felt as if the whole cathedral was like an animal in pain. Provost Howard, who was in charge of the cathedral, went with a number of others to try and save what he could as the city burned around them and many people were killed. But before long they realised that actually there was nothing they could do. As the city burned, the cathedral burned as well. And when they came in the morning, all that was left was the charred ruin open to the sky. And as they looked at this building, people began to wonder, where was God? in the whole of this. If even the cathedral was destroyed, where was God in the middle of this city that had been almost utterly destroyed in a single night? That was their question. Where could God possibly be? When the cathedral was destroyed by fire, besides the rubble, nothing was left but a few charred beams, twisted girders and a profusion of nails of all sizes lying everywhere. It would have been easy to see only destruction. But Jock Forbes, the cathedral stonemason, climbed the tower the next morning. He looked down and saw two charred roof beams lying in the shape of a cross. He saw hope in the midst of destruction. He took the beams, bound them together and placed them as an altar cross behind the altar of rubble. Provost Howard reminded of another day of darkness as Jesus was nailed to the cross, recognized God's identification with suffering and resisted the very human urge for vengeance. In a move which continues to inspire and challenge us today, he had the words, Father, forgive, written on the wall of the ruined cathedral sanctuary. Only two words, you'll notice, not Father, forgive them. For he wanted all who came here to recognize their own part 
our own part in the destructive patterns of behaviour which, unchecked, can lead to such disaster. And Reverend Arthur Wales, vicar of St Mark's Church, Coventry, picked up from the cathedral ruins three large sharp nails and, binding them with wire into a cross, took it to show to the bishop. That was the first cross to be made from cathedral nails. During the BBC radio broadcast from the cathedral ruins on Christmas Day 1940, Provost Howard declared that, once the war was over, we should work with those who had once been enemies to build a kinder, more Christ-childlike world. The Cross of Nails quickly became a sign of friendship and hope in the post-war era. Many were gifted, in thanks and in friendship, to contacts all over the world. The new cathedral, rebuilt next to the ruins, has become a centre for peacemaking and reconciliation around the world. The community of the Cross of Nails has grown into a network of partner charities, churches, seminaries and schools, which work for peace and reconciliation locally, nationally and internationally. Every day the Cathedral joins with these partners across the world to pray the Coventry Litany of Reconciliation. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The story of the Cross of Nails continues to influence us here at home. Today the Cross of Nails has arrived at our school as part of the Cross of Nails pilgrimage around all the Church of England schools in the diocese. We are looking forward to learning about where the Cross of Nails originated from and more about what reconciliation means. We're looking forward to understanding each other better and we're also looking forward to working together as well. So what does this mean for us, especially in the centenary year of the diocese? Well, many of us have felt God calling us to make this news of reconciliation, this message of reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation, our own right across the diocese, the cathedral, the parishes and other church communities, the schools and uh, chaplaincies right across the diocese so that we can be, well, this is the verse that we feel God has really put in our hearts. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God. God has reconciled us to himself in Jesus Christ. Now we are called to be bearers of this ministry, reconcilers, right across the diocese and beyond. So this evening we are thinking particularly about being um, uh, ambassadors for Christ, particularly in terms of uh, reconciliation. Just out of interest, by a show of hands, how many people here have actually met um, a, an ambassador, um, and I can't say the word, uh, ambassador to a foreign uh, country? Anybody here has ever met one? 
we have four or five people. That's more than I imagined, actually. Thank you. Just, I was purely for interest. Don't worry. You're not going to be asked anything else. Um, I have never met one. Uh, I was going to say something about Frere Rocher, but my wife didn't know what I was talking about. So if you're of a certain age, you'll remember the Frere Rocher adverts with ambassadors. But if you're not, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, I've never met an ambassador, but uh, Bishop Christopher, one of the roles that he has in the church and this country is as Bishop for Foreign Affairs, which if you're going to be a bishop, I think he's one of the best ones uh, to have because, you know, I'm sure it sounds like a lot of very exciting travel. Uh, but he meets an awful lot of ambassadors. And he says that when he does, you get a real sense of meeting with the country when you meet uh, with these people. Perhaps those of you who have met ambassadors have had that same feeling as well. I wonder if you can think, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this time, but I wonder if you can think of people who you would say are ambassadors for Christ. I wonder if you know people, maybe older people who have lived a life uh, close to God, perhaps not older people, perhaps younger people who reek of the Holy Spirit. I know a number, there are a number here in our church congregation, people who you can sense the Holy Spirit almost reeking out of them as you chat to them. I'm sure, I never met him, but I'm sure Provost Howard um, and that video that we just heard about was one such person to respond in the way that he did to the destruction of the cathedral that he cared for and loved uh, must take someone who really knows Christ's heart. A provost, by the way, just out of interest, is just a posh word for dean. It just means somebody that's in charge of a cathedral, dean or provost Howard. But we're all called to be ambassadors uh, for Christ. Students here, uh, your connect groups used to be called 520 groups after this, uh, this verse that we are called to be ambassadors uh, for Christ. And there was another dean or provost of the cathedral that talked about this uh, in terms of the cross, which Graham shared this morning and I'm shamelessly plagiarizing uh, this evening. I want us to think about reconciliation, particularly in terms of the cross. You'll note that it's, uh, there are potentially three or four different areas of the cross, one pointing downwards, one or two pointing to the side, and one pointing upwards. Firstly, downwards to the earth, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ with our earth. Right from the Garden of Eden, we're called to care for the earth that we find ourselves on. The planet that we live in is wounded, you may or may not know that every average household in this country sends about a tonne of waste to landfill every single year. That's going up each year by about 3%, which may not sound an awful lot, but in 25 years, that'll be double the amount of landfill that we send each and every year. Now, one day, this wounded planet will be reconciled to God. And I've heard some people say that that means they don't need to care about it. But if you read scripture, go right back to Genesis. God made the earth and it was good. And he called us to be ambassadors to the earth, to care for the earth. Now, I'm sure many of you do a much better job of this than I do. I know that we as a church can do a better job of this corporately, both here in this building and outwardly. And it's something I'll be looking at over the next uh, few months with some people, how we can do this better. But we are called, first and foremost, to be ambassadors to the earth, to the, the world that we live in around us. But the cross also goes uh, to either side. There's two sides here. Firstly, we're called to be reconciled uh, with one another. 
I don't think I've told you this. I know I told the midweek congregation. But before I was ordained deacon, um, we, I went on a retreat for three or four days. Um, when on the retreats, you're not really supposed to use uh, technology. And obviously, I obeyed uh, the commands of that to the letter. However, I did just need to nip onto my laptop for a moment. And uh, as I arrived, a let- an email came in. And I wouldn't have looked at it had it not been from somebody with whom I'd not really got on with at college for the previous uh, three years. The subject of the email was simply forgiveness. And I knew that he was on his retreat elsewhere in the country about to be ordained as well. And I thought, oh gosh, maybe he needs me uh, to forgive him for something. I should read it so that, you know, he feels better before he gets ordained. So I opened the email and it said, dear Adam, two years ago you told me something that I then found out to be a lie. I'm now emailing you to tell you that I have forgiven you for this. Regards. Uh, That's his name. Now, the first thing I should tell you as your curate is that I didn't lie to him. Uh, It was a misunderstanding uh, with him that I was able to clear up. Uh, Why do I tell you this story? Because I think it's important for us to understand what forgiveness is all about, actually. Forgiveness is mostly about our relationship with God. Of course, if we upset somebody else, we should go to them and we should apologize to them. But we don't need to. The relationship with them is not as important as our relationship with God. Neil Anderson, some of you may know, wrote the Freedom in Christ material, puts it like this. One of the key things that we need to understand is that although forgiveness is something we extend to others, the real issue when it comes to forgiveness is not so much about us and the other person. It's between us and God because he's the one that commands us to forgive. If someone's offended you, you don't go to them, you go to God. Your need to forgive others is first and foremost an issue between you and God. If you think about it, there's a logic to this, because your freedom cannot depend on other people, otherwise it cannot be guaranteed. Just to put that into an illustration, um, think of a woman whose husband has left her for someone else. Now that's horrible, and I don't want to diminish what what that woman is going through. But she might say, I'm not going to forgive him, Because of what he's done to me, I will punish him by not forgiving him. By not forgiving him, she doesn't do anything at all to him. He's most likely off starting a new life with the new person he's with. All that it does is it gets in the way of her living her life and crucially her relationship with God. Forgiveness is first and foremost about our relationship with God. And if we fail to do as Jesus commands, if we lack forgiveness, we're not being ambassadors for Christ in situations. But this uh, cross is on both sides. And we're also called to be reconcilers in the world. About eight years ago, I uh, was living in a horrible little flat, uh, which was smaller than the front of the dais here. There was room for a bed, and that was it, uh, in Bristol. It was an old shop front, so it had a humongous glass window by the bed and a door. On one side of me, there was the Revolution nightclub. Opposite me was a slug and lettuce pub. And to the other side of me was a lap dancing club. So I can tell you, it wasn't the nicest of places to live if you enjoy sleep, which I do. One particular night, about 4 a.m., a young couple were having a conversation or an argument very loudly outside my window when I was due to preach about four hours later. It transpired that he had kissed the friend of her and she wasn't overly happy about this fact. About 20, 25 minutes went by of me hearing this very loud argument And I normally would have responded by shouting at them to go away. 
But actually, I pulled on some outdoor clothing and I went out and I talked with them for a little while and brought them to a place of reconciliation where they at least went home. Now, I did that largely out of selfish ambition of getting sleep. It's got to be said. However, God did speak to me in that moment and told me to do that. Now, had I have shouted at them, they may have found that their enemy's enemy was their friend and come together anyway by hating me. But regardless, we are called to go into situations uh, and to be a reconciling presence in them. Now, it may be that that situation doesn't come up in your lives. It's very rare. It happened, as I say, probably eight or nine years ago now, actually. Uh, It's unusual. But I'm sure that all of us know of people who are not currently reconciled with others. I wonder how we respond to those situations. Do we listen and care for those people as Christ calls us to? Do we try to bring reconciliation to those situations as Christ calls us to? Or do we perhaps add wood to the fire? Do we perhaps encourage people in the way that they are responding to others? We're called to be Christ's ambassadors to those who are around us. We're called to go into the world and to reconcile those who are not reconciled. And lastly, the cross points upwards. This is because first and foremost, this passage tells us very clearly that our reconciliation needs to be with God. Our calling is to be reconciled to God. As I said earlier, we spent the last few months uh, looking through Ephesians. There we've learned that we are seated in the heavenly realms, that we're inheritors together of the kingdom of God. This is our primary calling. And if we don't do this, then our calling to be reconcilers in the world, our calling to be reconcilers with one another, our calling perhaps even to be reconcilers to the earth will be ineffective. We need to remember who we are and we need to remember who he is. About um, four years ago, I was at a church uh, just outside Bristol and uh, very heavily involved in the worship there. And one evening, I went along to the service, not involved that evening in the worship. And um, the worship band were not worshipping as I would like them to have been worshipping. The music was out of tune. The music was out of beat. Uh, The songs they had chosen were not the songs that I would have chosen uh, for that evening, because clearly it's all about me. And I sat for the first 10 minutes or so very angry, very grumpy about what was going on. And again, that check in my spirit came. And God said, this isn't about you, Adam. This is about me. And so I, I, I did what we often talk about with the five R's. The first three are recognize something, repent of it. I said to God, I'm sorry for the way that I've been. And I realigned, I came back in to understanding into the relationship with God. Um, I don't want to give you the impression that what happened next happened every week. This was the one and only time it happened in the whole time I was at this church. But about 10 minutes later, someone at the front of church shared outwardly a tongue in the spirit. Um, And it says in Corinthians, when a tongue is shared in a gathering, there should be an interpretation. And as that person shared that tongue, God spoke to me really clearly with the interpretation for the church at that time. Now, I'm not saying that God wouldn't have been able to get through to me had I not have done that work 10 minutes earlier. I think God is bigger uh, than that. But actually, how much easier it was for God to speak to me because I had brought myself in line with him. I'd reconciled myself to him, recognized what was going on 
in my life. Because relationship with God is always the most important thing. Spending time with God is always the most important thing. I'm married. I wear a wedding ring. I could show you a marriage certificate. But if I never saw my wife, Jess, if I never spoke to her, never had a conversation with her, we wouldn't have much of a relationship. We're all called to this relationship with God. We're all called to bring ourselves back to that reconciled place with God where we know him and can hear his voice. Just before the service, one of the prayer team had a picture of a do not disturb sign. It might be that for some of you this evening, you need to think about how you can put the do not disturb signs up in your life. Clear the space so that you can spend time with God. And so we're called to be reconciled with the earth, to care for the creation that God has given us. We're called to be reconciled with one another. If someone has upset you, if someone has hurt you, do go to them, ask for their forgiveness. It will help them in forgiving you. And we're called to be a force of reconciliation in the world. If we know of others that are fighting, are hurting, be that place of reconciliation. But mostly we're called to this relationship with God, to be reconciled to him. I want, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to sing before we come uh, to communion. Communion is ultimately a way in which we share with one another and with God. We come back together. We'll do that in a moment after we've sung. But before that, you saw on the video um, the litany of reconciliation. This is something that's said in churches and charities to do with reconciliation all over the world. In a few minutes, I'd like us to share in this litany together. I think one of the most powerful things about that story is the fact that there are the words, Father, forgive. Not Father, forgive them, but Father, forgive. Recognizing that we all fall short in one way or another. I'd like to give us just a few moments of silence as we think about the the cross particularly. Maybe down to the sides or up. And then I'll get us to stand to say this litany together. Will you stand with me? Wait. Before we sing, we're going to say this litany together. So do respond with the words in yellow. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy 
of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Father, forgive the lust which dishonours the bodies 